in a world crying out for a top 10 show. John Roca and Matt Nost are here to bring you the top 10. Take it away, boys. Hello, everybody, and welcome uh, to this live episode for those $10 and above uh, patrons here for the top 10. I am the outlaw, John Roca. I thought you were discontinuing that. <laughs> I thought was. that was over. You know I'm, I'm working on things. You know, it's, I'm in a transition phase, so please forgive me. I can oh, do it again a- if you want me to. I can do oh, it Oh, that's all right. Uh, the outlaw hasn't ridden off into the sunset just yet, I guess. <sighs> It's getting close, though. It's getting close. It's true. It's getting close. Okay. Well, you just, you were upset with yourself. What was that? Two weeks ago when you were ah, yeah. trying to stop doing that. And then I really am. Just, I'm, I'm trying. I'm doing the best I can, though. That just, yeah, slipped off the tongue so effortlessly that I thought maybe there was a retraction of that previous stance. That's all. No, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. I mean, I am, I am kind of on the fence right now. Like I'm trying to figure out. If maybe for the new year, I just change the name of the channel because the Schmodown is no more. So therefore, the outlaw in essence is kind of no more. But I still want to find a name for the channel that would evoke the outlaw, but very much walk its own path. So um, I know it sounds stupid to you, probably because you're a sarcastic son of a bitch and nothing really means much because you're a stand-up comedy comedian. But for me, it matters. So I'm trying to figure out what I can do with that. So you know, we'll see. We'll see. Unless you got some ideas. Do you got some ideas by any chance? No? Uh, Cinematic justice. Cinematic justice? Is that what you said? (laughs) It was. Why why did you uh, prompt the intro? Oh, no, no, I didn't. I'm I'm going into uh, so I can uh, bring up the or talk about the chat, the people who are in the chat. Ah, I got you. I got you. Just kind of catching up with everything. But yeah, no. Um, Yes. And I'm Matt Nost. So welcome (laughs) into the show. I like cinematic justice though. That's actually good. Uh, I, I'll, I'll put it in the. I'll put it in the pile. I would imagine you could find something better than that. Probably. I, I don't know. It's a little long. It's a little. I don't know that it uh, evokes precisely what you're more than likely going for. Yeah. But you're good at that kind of stuff. You know. Um, how are you, man? How are things? Uh, the NBA season is in full swing. How are you feeling? How's the, how's life? Uh, good. While. Well, I may uh, not have brought dropping dimes back just for time commitments. That's what I heard. The start of the season, boy, I have watched a lot of games. <laughs> uh, I uh, So, you know, those looming time commitments haven't uh, prevented me from watching an absurd number of games already. So yeah. the NBA season has been pretty great so far. I mean, we should be four and one. Had your Wizards not fouled DeRozan on a game-winning shot, and there was no call. It's too early in the season to start this nonsense, for God's sake. I'm just saying, clearly fouled him on a three-point shot, and the Revs Association came out the next day and was like, that was a clear foul. He should have gotten his three free throws. And he still almost made it. Don't fall behind by 20 points, and then you won't need to kind of do this furious uh, furious comeback. That's why you play four quarters. That's why you play four quarters. It's true. It's true. Hey, don't foul guys 
on last uh, on game winning shots. How about that? How about you play like fucking gentlemen I mean, I instead feel like of? We did. I feel like we did. You there didn't. We... You did. Sometimes Trust I'm me. sure. Listen, for all the fouls Jordan didn't get, I don't want to hear one complaint from a Bulls fan about fouls that they don't get now. That guys. was 25 years ago. <laughs> but I feel like. 25 years ago there no debt is still huge we've had a couple high peaks since then but nowhere near contention that was 25 years ago it has been a bit has been a bit i'm shocked my wizards at three and one i'm I'm just out of my mind shocked on that nonsense but this is the same bullshit that happened last year under the same coach and then we absolutely cratered in the middle of the season or in the uh what uh, middle of the first half of the season and then beal got hurt and that was that so I put no stock in it. I put zero. Just like I put no stock in the Blazers start. I'm like, let me just see what happens. I mean, I'd like to believe in the Blazers. I'd like to have Dame to have a shot at a title, but I don't know. It's way too early. It is absolutely way too early to to pull anything truly meaningful from it just yet. Yeah. After like, you know, three, four weeks, we're a month in. Then we'll have an idea. Certain things I think are trends that are continue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And others just, yeah, like the Blazers, they look legitimate. I, I will be curious if their defensive intensity can to maintain like this because that's just something Portland hasn't done right, right. in the Dame era. And right now they're really good on defense. Ringer did a nice breakdown, though, of how they're having Nurkic go to the three-point line but not past the three-point line and how that's really helping on their defense, on the pick-and-roll defense, which I kind of – it's so fascinating how – you know the game is a game of inches, but it's fascinating to see like one extra six inches or one extra foot past the three-point line can really make the difference on defense, on a uh, on pick-and-roll um, plays. And so just to see some of the videos and the way they were breaking them down on the ringer, I was like, okay, this is fascinating, just really fascinating shit. If I wasn't distracted by 500 fucking things I'm trying to do, I would absolutely just become like a total NBA junkie. Just watch all the shit, analyze all the shit, dive into all the shit. And look at all this stuff, because it is really interesting to see. More than almost any other game for me, it is interesting to see how how much inches matter, millimeters matter. I mean, that Ke- that Kevin F- Durant foot on the three-point line is the difference between the Nets possibly having a title and the Bucks having a title. It's crazy. So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was his big toe. That was it. We're talking about about an, an inch, and he mm-hmm. wins that game. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah. It does. Uh, I think the breakdowns really help, especially in basketball, just because the game is happening so quickly. Yeah. To give take time to digest what what happened, whereas in something like football, with the telestrators and the announcers, yeah. like when Romo's sitting there and like, okay, I think they're going to go over the middle, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, just because right. he's reading the defense and you get a breakdown in real time, whereas basketball is just happening too quickly. You know, certain <laughs> actions yeah. are going to happen. But, yeah, just like why things are succeeding, well, you have to go back and look at the tape and sit down and, you know, watch it or have someone you, break it down for you. You make a fantastic point because most color analysts in the NFL are there for amusement or fun. Uh, and sometimes and they're and they're breaking things down as they're happening. I'm sorry. I'm t- uh, let me say that correctly. Most NFL analysts are breaking things down as it's happening. Right. Play by play. Yeah. Like I said, Romo, other people, because usually former players. So they know that. But with the NBA because it's moving so fast, it's much more about, especially local color, but then also the national color, it's much more about the camaraderie 
and occasionally making commentary about what they're doing, but you're not getting into the nuts and bolts of the strategy and the movement of the players. And you're not going back and looking at multiple replays to show the, the, the pattern of what they're doing. Right. And so that's the difference because in, in your hundred percent, right. Cause it's moving so fast. Yeah. So you read the people afterwards who will do some great uh, job analyzing um, like um, is that, uh, what's his name? Is that, is, uh, God, the Zach guy. That's Lowe? Yeah. Zach Lowe, like Zach Lowe, when he's breaking shit down, you're just like, Fuck, man, it takes a certain kind of mind. Even Simmons at his, when he was really dialed into it, not distracted by so many other things, Simmons could do a really great job of breaking down the strategy of, a, of an NBA team and how they were playing. So, yeah, so I like that shit. Um, but what what are these other, what are these projects? Can you say, are you are you doing other shows now to replace the drop in dimes? Or is it, uh, no, is it it's, jobs? What, what is this? Uh, yeah, it's, they're just, uh, basically, I can't really talk about them. No. That's um, weird. Okay. Well, it's just, uh, yeah, I'm just not allowed to talk about them. <laughs> um, they haven't weird? started yet, hence having the time. Okay. But once they do, it's just like, I might be able to watch a game or two a week. So, gotcha. Uh, and I'll have to schedule, like, I'll have to look in advance and be like, okay, I can make time this night so I can watch this, you know. Whereas now it's just like, oh shit, I don't have anything tonight. Right. Let's do this. Uh, is this some NBA shit that you can't talk about? Is that what it's all about? One of them is, yeah. Wow. The other one is um, the, the basically the cards are lining up. Okay. I've already been contacted a couple times. Hey, do you want to do this? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, you know, send me. I'll send back, back and forth. And then right. if it comes to fruition, it's a couple months down the line. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, yeah, it's happy about it. Good, good. Uh but yeah, I can't really. One, I could, but it just why talk about it because it's not technically real yet. Oh, okay, fair enough. Something's uh, in motion is what you're saying. So. Yeah, but it all signs point towards. Yeah. By the time they contacted me, it looks like it's going to happen. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, I just you know I'm a part of a machine. I am not the driving force of the machine. Gotcha. So she's like, all right, you got a bunch of your ducks already in a row. Okay. Uh, fair enough. Okay. Yeah. So. Fingers crossed. But. All right, good. Yeah, fingers crossed for sure. Um, all right, anything else you want to talk about? Uh, anything else going on in your world? It's about 10 minutes into the show. Uh, I, I will say very mm-hmm. briefly okay. that your assessment of Andor after like week, well, after the four that you watched saying yeah. this might be the best Star Wars yet. Dude, it's inching there. Mm-hmm. It is It is inching there. Yeah. Usually, like the last night's episode would have been, I would have been frustrated in another show. And yeah. I'm like, okay, let's, yeah, all right, sure. Let's do this. I'm right. fine with this. This is great. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, for those watching live, I don't want to spoil anything because they might not have had the time yet to see it. Fair enough. Fair uh, enough. But yeah, just every week. And I'm glad that it's 12 as opposed to the eight or 10 episode runs that we've had. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, that there's going to be a season two, even though it's its worst rated Star Wars show. Yeah, it, it it's really confounding because it is the best thing. And I'm, you know, I just finished episode eight, I think is past week episode. And it's like, to me, if they stick this landing, this is already equal to or better than Empire Strikes Back. And that's the best thing to ever come out of Star Wars. This is my kind of Star Wars. And I see some critics 
denigrating it a little bit saying like oh you know andor's not the 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 character is not that interesting and i'm like we're in the process it's a 24 episode process to where he becomes the rebel that we see in rogue one so he is going to be hesitant he is going to not be sure where he lands this is a show that is taking its time fleshing out its uh subplots fleshing out its characters and really uh, making you care and connect to these characters, even though some of them may be Empire characters, you're still fascinated by them. So, and the writing is incredible. The cinematography is fantastic. Yeah, nary a blaster is being shot or a, or a lightsaber is being turned on, and I, I I think it's genius what is happening here. And the the social commentary about about the police, about the government, about dictatorships, all this kind of stuff that feels very topical to what's going on in our actual political landscape in our country and other countries, all of it feels so brilliantly done. And the timing of it is incredible that I really get kind of a little frustrated by the people who want to see pew, pew, pew all the time bitching about this show. It really drives me fucking insane, you know, to hear that kind of stuff. Cause I feel yeah. like it's a little immature. I feel like it's super immature to just want, I just want the pew pew pew, you know, and 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 the and the there's, fantastical yeah. concepts, and it's like, what are you talking about? There's plenty of that in Star Wars. Yes. Go watch something. Go watch another one again. There's plenty of the nonsense mm-hmm. of like th- this is world building. This yeah. is this is showing us what a totalitarian empire would be like, and how its tentacles would reach out. And yeah, yeah all the subtle little small things, the the discussion amongst at that dinner party last night. And it was a brief three second thing talking yeah. about Palpatine. It's like, that is, that is as poignant to modern politics as yep. it was to politics a hundred years ago and 200 years ago. And it will be in a hundred years. Yeah. And that was one tiny little mm-hmm. t- 10 lines of dialogue between three or four characters. And then we move on just yep. like, man, this show just hits on all metrics. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. the fact that nobody, not nobody's watching it, but it's just not doing as well as the others. Be like, I, yeah, not everything needs to be a force sensitive story and follow right. the same family. Like there's so much, there's an entire galaxy of stories. Yeah. yeah. Let's take advantage of that fact. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's super frustrating. And I was going to tweet about it, but like, why carry the drama again? It's just like, there's no point. People are very, entrenched in their positions and i just uh, some people can handle the drama i'm just so sick of it that i don't want to tweet something i was like i wanted to tweet something just calling people out be like this is ridiculous uh how people are talking about this show because there are some people who are just in love with the show some of the reviewers and critics and then there are some of the star wars reviewers and critics who are just bitching about the show every week and it's just super frustrating it really is you know and they'll defend kenobi which is one of the most uneven shows ever or book a book oh, that they'll prefer. And I'm like, how, do you, how can you fucking say that? You know, it, it's just kind of crazy in my mind. Yeah, I don't want to get into how disappointing either of those shows were <laughs> to me. But yeah, it's like uh, people that try and sell me on Last Jedi. And be like, oh, I'm sorry. I oh, have God. 57 yeah. qualms with this movie. <laughs> and I'm not even, I can... It just keeps going. This compounds in, in, in with this thing over here. And then this yeah. nonsensical storyline happens that you could literally cut out of the entire movie. And it has no bearing on the outcome 
whatsoever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so exactly. why in a movie which has a distinctly finite amount of time, yeah, did we just spend a quarter of it with this? <laughs> Doing this. Yeah. This. And then the alleviation of it is one of the most convenient fucking plot. Oh, yeah. Ridiculous. Let's bring in Benicio. Boy, his happenstance. You just happen to run into this. Oh, it's fucking frustrating. And the people, every couple of months, it'll pop up and be like, who's got some love for Last Jedi? And then there'll be a pile on for a most amazing film. It's like, I don't know what you guys saw. Yeah, it'll just be a bunch of, yeah, it'll just be a bunch of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I never chime in. Just like, let you enjoy your happiness. Yeah, of course. You, you liked it, yeah. enjoy it. Yeah, of course. You got every right to enjoy it, whatever you want to enjoy. But like going after the show, I think, I think it's just such a phenomenal mistake by these people. Well, thankfully they already greenlit a second series. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so and, that, and that one's going to go a, a lot faster because apparently it's covering four years. This one's covering the first year and then the, the next season is going to cover over four years. And so, I assume it wraps right before row one. Starts. Yes. Yeah. Right. So, before, row, yeah. Row one, yeah. So that'll be fun to see how they pull that off for sure. Um. Anyway. All right, well, this is uh, this is the top 10, uh, and we're going to break down um, the top 10 ensemble family films, but with a dramatic bent to them. Like, a, not not doesn't only have to be drama, like there's no comedy to it, but that, I think that's the approach we're having. I think it's for, the, for Armageddon time. Is that correct here, Matt? Yeah, basically just something like Beethoven, and Beethoven's second doesn't qualify for this list. <laughs> Clifford does not. Look at yeah, anything where... Zaniness is part of the allure. Yeah. Uh, so something like me for me, Christmas Vacation is disqualified from this list. Yes. Yes. Even though qualitatively, it's a much better film than Beethoven. It's still like you got these over the top characters and mm-hmm. craziness ensues. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um. Although I do have one kind of exception, I guess, to some degree to that, but there's a reason okay. for it. Yeah. Fair enough. Uh, I might have one that kind of walks the line myself. But yeah. I think everything else is a little more. And then I had some on my side. So yeah. eventually I just gave up coming up with movies. <laughs> I did. I got to a page and a quarter of just wow. this one, I guess, would technically qualify. And then yeah, sometimes yeah. you're just writing it down and be like, eh, you know, maybe. Right. Just right. to keep the juices going a little sure. bit. Sure. Um, but yeah, I got to like a page and a quarter. I'm like, you know what? Whatever's beyond this, I'm fine with not knowing after spending <laughs> as much time as I have trying to come up with a, you know, completest list. Yeah. Uh, makes for a varied list. I will say yeah. that. Uh, there's some uh, there's some stuff on my list that I we haven't talked about. I don't know if we've talked about ever on the show, so I'm very curious. Or if we have, it's been a while. So I'm very yeah. curious to see how, uh, if we cross streams at all throughout this uh, this particular episode. I'm looking at uh, this right now. Yeah. I, yeah. If I had to guess, there'll be, I would say one for sure. Okay. And then beyond that, I don't know. I don't know. Once again, I got a, you know, so many to choose from. And then after yeah. that, after that page in the quarter, then I bolded whichever one I genuinely thought, okay, this deserves merit for this list. And right. that was still a list of like 20 something. Wow. So okay. it's like, okay, well, there's a lot to choose from here. So I, I bounced around. I've got some movies that if we've talked about, it's been a long time. Yeah. I tried to get some more of those on there. Okay. Uh, just because there's a lot of choices. 
So yeah. why not? Why not? Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. All right. So we set a topic. Yes. Then we go our individual ways, create personal top 10 lists, show up, back up. I do my bottom three. He does his bottom three. I do my next two. He does his next two. Then we trade one apiece. Once we have revealed our personal top 10 list, we create the shows between the two of us. Boom. All right. Um, Where shall we go first, my man? What's your 10? So 10 is probably to some degree my shakiest. Okay. Okay. Of the family centric. Right. Because that's what we're, I tried to focus on, like the story revolves around the family mm-hmm. within a dramatic bent. Yes. Um, so my 10 is what's eating Gilbert Grape. That's a good choice. Why wouldn't that qualify? That absolutely qualifies. Well, just because he, he does, uh, Johnny Depp does spend time with like the, uh, was it Mary Steenburgen is the married woman that he's sleeping with right but then right. there's like the younger girl and her grandma her mom right right they're coming to town so like he's then over there with them and then there's the, the he's bouncing around a little bit and then he comes back to his mom and his little brother to but there's multiple families i think that qualifies why wouldn't it if there's multiple okay families involved oh yeah i mean i i tried to go for the ones that have the biggest families involved uh, so that would be really kind of uh, as much of a scope as possible. So I, this is a great choice. Three different families. Why not? So where's parenthood? Is parenthood six? Is parenthood five? Oh, okay. Didn't even make consideration. <laughs> Didn't even write it down. That's ridiculous. I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I just saw it when I was a kid and I still don't like it because I was a kid and shouldn't have seen it in a theater. It's <laughs> not made go. for kids. Now I remember your gripe about this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Steve Martin. I thought I was getting a different movie because I was like eight. Yeah. 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 It's not a kid's movie. Uh, <laughs> what's even good for great. So Depp plays the eldest child of yeah. a family who's, Dad killed himself years ago, so now it's his responsibility to take care of DiCaprio. Right. And then he's got a couple sisters that help run the household. And the mom, their mom has basically, since the dad's passing, has resigned herself to just kind of eating herself to death. Yeah. She's Fucking wallowing in her depression and sadness, and she just kind of sits there and watches TV and and eats food. And uh, they love her. You can see that's... Yeah. Some amazing chemistry between them. Yeah. The scenes they have uh as a family, but between Depp and uh the mom. Yeah. As basically they all realize what's happening and he's struggling with trying to forge his own identity and do his own thing, but mm-hmm. then do right by his family and he needs to take care of his brother and yeah. DiCaprio plays uh a mentally handicapped young kid. Yeah who I, I would guess is like 16 or 17 in the movie, maybe a little bit younger. Yeah. I think he's a little bit younger. I think he's 14 or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Pretty sure. Cause he got nominated for this one. I think for best supporting. Actor. It's for as young as he is, it yeah. is utterly believable. Yeah. Like, Oh he, no, you're right. His mentally impaired younger brother who's turning 18. Never mind. You're right. 18. 18. Okay. okay. Got it. I didn't think he was that old. Yeah. Arnie. Um, and DiCaprio, I mean, is just amazing. Yeah. For as young as he is, what had he done before this? This boy's life mm-hmm. and hoop dreams, or not hoop dreams, yeah. but uh, 
uh, oh shit, what was his basketball? Basketball movie? Diaries. Basketball Diaries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like this boy's life was what I really knew him from mm-hmm, before mm-hmm. this, and to see him then chameleon esque shift into and really become mm. this other role juxtaposed against, you know, Depp, who's somewhat got his shit together, yeah, but yet doesn't. And he's floundering trying to figure out what exactly is going on in his life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um I don't know. It's just a it's a good drama from so at that time young actors really kind of proving their bona fides. Yeah. Uh it's been it's been a couple of years since I've seen it. I should go back and rewatch it. What's crazy is the dude, the Peter Hedges who cast her in the the mom in the role, he had seen her in like some reality show that was discussing her weight. That's how he found her. Hmm. And um I think it was a 92 episode 92 saw her and then like pitched her the role and she was an actress. And she took it. So that's how she uh, and, and she did some couple of the stuff, but then didn't really kind of blow up or anything off of that. Cause I imagine it would be hard to cast yeah. someone consistently. I, although I do think nowadays she might be able to work, you know, in some of the mo- more unusual shows that we have in our um, purview now and in our streaming services, she might be a series. She could have been a series regular on something, you know? So but at the time, of course, it was kind of limited roles and whatever. And it's interesting. I mean, this guy is, uh, he wrote about a boy as well. Uh, and Dan in real life, which a lot of people kind of like. So an interesting cat in terms of writer and director. Mm-hmm. Um, in this film, certainly finding these actors, like one in his, or coming into his independent film prime and another one about to become in just a few years, like this massive superstar. Yeah, biggest it's star kind, in the world. Yeah, biggest star in the world is kind of crazy how he was able to catch them right at the right time to, to be in a film like this, which is not a film that necessarily on first look would have been a film that people would be like, Oh yeah, I gotta be in this, you know? So he was very, because you also have Juliet Lewis, who was at the time kind of an independent film darling mm-hmm. uh, coming out of Cape fear. So, yeah. Yeah. I'd be curious. I, I would assume California was before this. Oh, uh, maybe. Yeah. Cause that's 93. California is where? Where's the film? California is rough because what? Thelma Louise is 91. You got to look at it in Brad Pitt terms. I think yeah, California three. might be one of his first. Same year, 93. California. There you go. She's also in Romeo's Bleeding in the same year, which I really liked that Gary Oldman nut job of a film. Um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, wow. There you go. Yeah, she had to run them. And then what? Natural Born Killers comes after that. Yeah, next year. The Natural Born Killers. Then Strange Days. And she was even in Basketball Diaries, which was 95. So this is even before oh, that Basketball came after? Diaries. Yeah. Wow, I thought Basketball Diaries. Because I know This Boy's Life comes before. Oh, God, that film. Woof. Yeah, I, I wrote it down for this one, but I was like, I can't. <laughs> that film's too much, dude. Oh, man. De Niro is incredible. Yeah. That movie. It's scary as fuck. Oh, uh, it's just the worst shit heel. Yeah. Oh, shit. So listen to this. And that's the same year, this boy's life, as What's Eating Gilbert Grape. 93. They're both 1993. I wonder if it's one of those where they shot much earlier. and Oh, maybe, released. yeah, right. And then it was released. Yeah, 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 yeah. afterwards or something, because he seems yeah. drastically younger. Like he had a growth <laughs> spurt between the two. 
He was in Poison Ivy before that movie, the fucking Drew Barrymore softcore fucking film. <laughs> yeah, I never saw it. I remember when it came out, but I never saw it. Yeah, it's fascinating because he doesn't, he doesn't do anything for a couple of years and then it's Basketball Diaries and Quicker Than Dead. And then Romeo and Juliet and then Marvin's Room and then Titanic. Boom. So crazy. But even after yeah. Titanic, Man in the Iron Mask wasn't a hit. Celebrity nobody saw. It's one of those no. Woody Allen films. Yeah, it was like, yeah, it was like a you get a bunch of great actors to yeah. sign on. Everybody knows it's not going to be a hit. Yeah. The beach does nothing. Don's plum does nothing. It's not until catch me if you can, that he kind of comes back into the mainstream pop culture. Yeah. And then once he hooks up with Scorsese. Yeah. Right. With gangs and then aviator and departed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's where he goes from there. Yeah. And then he goes God. stratosphere. Wow. Kind of interesting. So it took five years before he fascinating, man, fascinating stuff. But yeah. Anyway, good cast for sure for this one. So nice choice, bud. Uh, what's your nine? Uh, my nine, just to keep things different. <laughs> what's well, I have twenty something. You need to explain these choices. Like it's your. Well, it's a good movie. Right, uh, anyway, uh, Saint Vincent, Bill Murray, Melissa McCarthy. Oh yeah, you love that movie. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I love you. You make those sweeping statements about things that I've mentioned. Times. I've mentioned it a couple times. I think it's made one list ever, which was the Bill Murray show. And that's it. But like Shoe a uh, obsession and then St. Vincent. These are the two big things. You a thought. movie that's never made a single list I've ever done. And I mentioned it one time and you're like, oh, you love that movie. You bring it up all the time, which is PCU. I don't know. Oh, yeah. PCU. And you're up. like, oh, you love that movie. You talk about it all the time. I was like, it's never made a list it's I've ever done. At least. Uh, but St. Vincent. So. Yeah. Um. Murray plays like a a curmudgeon. He's a war vet. Yeah. And McCarthy and her son move in next door and they're in the midst of a divorce. So and McCarthy's working like long hours. Yeah. So uh Murray, Vincent, ends up kind of babysitting the kid, somewhat corrupting him. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, just because he likes to go to the dog track and or maybe it's the horse track. I know he likes to go to the track. And uh, he's a drinker and all that stuff. But there's a, you know, the the two of them form a nice bond where they have a give and take and they're kind mm-hmm. of helping each other grow right. simultaneously. Vincent has shut his heart off from only a select few people. Yeah. And this young kid kind of helps open him up a little bit and uh, gets him out back into the world a little bit more. And, you know, Vincent kind of helps toughen the kid up yeah. and teach him about, you know, what real life is like yeah uh and how you need to defend yourself and stick up for yourself and stuff like that because he's a new kid in school and it's not going exactly as he had hoped and it's a tremendous dynamic between the two of them and mccarthy is great i I pretty much always love her in drama Mm -hmm. whereas in comedy i think it's it's somewhat hit and miss for me Mm -hmm. uh not to say that she's not funny i mean go watch the sean uh, the spicer stuff for snl oh my god brilliant yeah absolutely brilliant um i don't know just in movie form it hasn't it hasn't struck a nerve for me yet but i know people love spy and they love several others of hers um yeah whereas whenever i see her in a drama i'm always enamored yeah and you might be making an excellent point like she's better on the ensemble than she is leading right because even in bridesmaids she's not the lead 
I liked her in Spy, but of course, that's also a number of great comedic actors that are involved in it with uh, Rose and Cannavale and even the British girl who plays her friend. She's got a big following in Britain um, and uh, Jude Law. So you've got a very strong cast there. Um, and, and, you know, she does, I think she's funny. And Jason Statham, of course, of course. So she's funny as hell in the movie, in my opinion. It's a funny movie. But other stuff where she's been the lead, it hasn't, like, Tammy was terrible. Identity theft was terrible. And everything she's done on Netflix has been horrific. Um, but, like, I was watching, the. it's so funny, I was watching deleted scenes maybe a day or two ago from This Is 40, where mm. she's, like, just, with the g- gag reel, where she is just fucking going off on these tangents. And she is hilarious. You know, none of that shit made the movie, but is fucking hilarious. And so you look at it, well, that's not really her movie. That's, you know, Leslie Mann and and, uh, Rudd. So you might be right that she's just a better ensemble character or actress in a movie than she is a lead. Well, I didn't say that specifically. Well, I think that's what you're alluding to. So that's what I'm taking. Now you're putting words in my mouth. So you, that is your statement. I never said that. I just said that I always yeah. like her in dramas. Let me quote you directly on Twitter. That is, uh, <laughs> go ahead and put in that quote that I love PCU too, as long as you're putting words in my mouth. And St. Vincent. And St. Vincent that I talk about it nonstop. And shoes. And yep. shoes. And shoes. I can't shut up about it. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, like, can you ever forgive me? I thought that was. Yeah, uh, she's good in that. Yes. She's good. Although she yeah. gets outshone uh, by, oh gosh darn it, the yeah, British Richard actor. Grant. Richard E. Grant. Yeah, yeah, Richard E. Grant. But his part is meant to outshine. Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's the yeah. more showier part. It is. You're supposed to come in and, and somewhat be the life of the scene whenever right. you're in the scene. So it's easier to, to without having to chew the scenery, steal the scene. Right. Um, but yeah, this is a you know another dramatic turn from her. It was the first time I had ever seen her in a drama yeah. I was blown away. I was like, God, I wish she would do this on a more consistent basis because it's really good. It's like Tom Cruise being a villain. Please, please do that again. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. Or uh, even Tom Hanks, please be another villain. I, I've enjoyed this. Well, they, he's in that new one. You saw the, I don't know if you saw the trailer this week, but yeah. You're talking to a guy that doesn't watch trailers, so probably <laughs> yeah, not. Fair enough. It's uh, called Auto or something like that. And he, a lot of people thought, Think a lot of people commenting that this should have gone to Tommy Lee Jones. This is a Tommy Lee Jones role, so to see Tom Hanks in Tommy Lee Jones role is an interesting situation. I mean, I could see it, especially if he just channels his inner Tommy Lee. You're a wet cat, go. That's <laughs> just that's the motivation. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> ah, uh, get off. I prefer it when you pee in my Cheerios and be like, "What? what? Okay, you never seem happy, man." Oh man. <laughs> Yeah, I'm looking through all this. Yeah, I mean, I guess Matt, if I quote you correctly, I think you're right. I think you, I think you're absolutely right. But she hasn't done that many dramas, though. No, she hasn't. You know? Yeah, like that I've seen at least. Did you I, see the Starling, the one on Netflix, the one where she loses her kid and shit? Uh, was that the series? No, it was a show. It was a movie with her and Chris O'Dowd. They play a oh, that was husband a and wife who loses their child, and so they kind of she goes or he flipped. He breaks down and goes to a mental health institute, and she's got to f- keep the family going. Mm. Uh, and so, what she deals with, and um, she uh, kind of it kind of gets her to because she, she goes into her own depression, but she can't go 
to the mental health because he's already in there. And so she's got to figure it out on the outside while he's trying to figure his shit out on the inside. So fascinating. Because you know, I think if this film was done 20 years ago, it would be the woman in the mental health institute and the guy on the outside. Oh, yeah. It out. So it's a nice switch. I never saw it. But um, from what I understand from, the tra- from when I saw the trailer a couple of times, that's kind of the approach to this one. So. Yeah, I watched that. Well, I started that other series from her about God's favorite idiot or whatever oh, that God. was. No, it was horrific. I watched two or three episodes and I was like, man, this is mm. just not good. Yeah. Like the Pentaverse, that was fun for how stupid it was, right? That was, I could watch that. I, mean, I have it on, no big deal. Just Mike Myers doing a bunch of SNL sketches for fucking 10 episodes. But this thing, the one you're talking about, that was like. I just didn't know who I'm supposed to be rooting for in this. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. It was rough. Uh, Yeah, Pentaverse. uh, I liked the first episode and uh, Catherine was out. And then we're like, all right, we'll just watch something else. And I totally forgot it existed until you said it right now. Yeah, I just put it on. Like, I finished it off a few months ago because I just started. Because she likes to go to bed earlier now. She's on this kick to go to bed at 9 or 10 o'clock. So I'm not usually tired by 9 or 10. So I stay up about an extra hour and I was just putting it on while I surfed the internet or, or looked up Amazon shit. So it, it's a way to kind of pass the time till I go to bed. So I just finished it off because it was like, fuck it. It's not offensive. It's just stupid fun. And yeah, I laughed a, f- a few times. It wasn't great, but I laughed a few times because it's Myers. I always liked Myers. Yeah. Yeah. Seems like a genuinely sweet guy now. Seems like there was a lot of ego shit when he was younger with him and Carvey, but it seems like he's a genuinely sweet guy now. So, but I don't know. I've never had interactions with him. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah. Um, although it's kind of understandable that his ego became outsized because sure. he ended up creating billion dollar franchises and how many, you know, comedic yeah. actors can say that right there's not many you're right no. about that yeah no especially coming out of snl and especially solo right you can say ghostbusters but that was an ensemble team with murray and yeah uh Aykroyd and ramus and hudson but yeah you austin say, you know, all him austin yeah austin was gonna say wayne's world's like oh that's an snl product and they test drove it there and whatever else right whereas austin and then shrek oh shrek right yes. yeah the choice to let's make him a scottish guy and whatnot there's a billion dollar franchise. Yep. Yep. Uh, and if it doesn't have that Scottish accent, I don't know that it has yeah. the appeal. I agree with you. I agree with you. Because I've seen it like on stage with someone who doesn't have a full Scottish, it's a different accent, and you're it doesn't work. The the Scottish accent for whatever reason works for the for what you're doing. Yeah. Gives the character a burly charm. It fits yeah, yeah. What it is. All right, let's let's move on. Yeah, that's what's your eight? Uh, my eight is the big sick. Oh, that's a good choice. Go ahead, man. Ah, I should have put that on my list. Fuck. All right, go ahead. Um, so Kumail Nanjiani, which now everybody knows because he's entered into the MCU, and right. uh, he's cut like nobody's business. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Although I haven't, I that uh, trailer for the new Chippendales show. Oh yeah. Yeah, has come up on Twitter, but I haven't watched it yet. So I'd be curious if he maintained that physique. Yeah, because I can't imagine that character in real life yeah. looked anything remotely like that. Uh, but it's based on his life story about him and his wife, where yeah. she got sick, and then her 
they had just started dating. They were basically was tenuous and they were kind of on the outs and she gets sick and he rushes to her bedside and maintains vigil along with her parents. And then he gets to know them and they create a bond. And then she comes to, and for her, it's ended where it ended. Yeah. Yeah. And time and emotions have transpired that she wasn't really kind of privy to. So there's also that almost like that. We, it's a, like someone waking up from amnesia. It's while you were sleeping. If yeah. the film was another hour long is basically what, what, what the film is. Um, but you, I mean, you bond with him and Romano mm. and hunt. Yeah. You get sucked into this dynamic um, between all of them. And, you you're kind of like at least i was i knew where this thing ended yeah yeah but even while it's happening like man don't you feel like you're potentially rushing in like that you're projecting the emotions of the situation and what's transpiring onto the relationship that never really existed between the two of you yeah yeah or is this a function of almost losing helped you reflect back on what you had, even if it was short lived and realizing how amazing it was. And you were just being an idiot in the moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was those type of, of, you know, inner uh, reflections while the movie was going on that first time watching it. And you're still getting really invested and engrossed in the dynamic of all these uh, characters. It's, it's excellent. And uh, well, his, his family too. Right, the, his True. side of his family, seeing about the, you know, about the, um, that one brother that's very adamant about the religion, tradition, and the religion, and all of that, and and how he's slamming up against that by dating this woman, and all of that. So, both families, um, it's not that they get equal time, but both families certainly get time to um, have their issues affect him because he's kind of in the center of both of the whirlwinds. Mm-hmm. about this situation um, because as you said it's like we just started dating what's your commitment to this for real yeah. and even holly hunter i think calls him out on it like you don't have to do anything else like y- y- yeah. you have a responsibility here you don't need to be here and for whatever reason he feels like he should and then of course the stand-up comedy stuff is great to see how he's navigating that at the same time and then when he's like when he bombs because of what is going on for him it's so interesting so the film goes in a lot of different directions you don't expect it to. And I think that's why it makes it such a unique type of quote unquote rom-com um, than has ever been seen, you know, which I, I thought was great. Yeah. I, I would love to see him in more movies like this, but hmm. you know, this, you also need to diversify your portfolios, hence doing like a Stuber and you get the yeah. opportunity to jump into the mcu that's a no-brainer of course take that check every time yeah because if it works out this is generational wealth coming your way right 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 um it sucks you signed on to one of my least favorite mcu movies (laughs) and everybody that's uh, in that movie uh unfortunately yeah i'm pretty much fans of all your work and uh that one was no bueno for me but it's amazing how many Marvel movies and TV shows have come out since that movie and make no reference yeah. or hardly any reference to what happened in Eternals. Um, that speaks volumes to how little they want that film to be. <laughs> I just, they have one glaring elephant in the room that they've yeah. now deposited into the MCU that has yet to be discussed as far as I know. Right, right, right. The dude and, in the ocean. Yeah. 
this massive thing in the ocean, which you would think would come up on a day-to-day basis. I mean, it must fuck up trade routes. It must fuck up weather. Depending on where it it is. Everything, yeah. Although it could be like a bird sanctuary or something now. (laughs) I don't know. It's possible. There's a coral reef that's uh, forming on that. It's helping heal the Great Barrier Reef. Oh, that's a good point. Coral reef. Um, Okay, where are we at? Right Your now. 10. Okay, so my 10 is a parenthood. Yeah, made the list. Oh, it. so a 10. So it's not. <laughs> uh, yeah. My my comments earlier and too disparaging. <laughs> I still enjoy this one. It's so it's such a nice slice of the 80s, right? As we were transitioning into the 90s. I never watched the TV show, and I know a lot of people like the TV show, but this was this I still revere as really fun stuff for Steve Martin. But we talk about Gilbert Grape uh, and these actors that are just about to come. I mean, there's so many actors in this movie. Uh, Keanu, Martha Plimpton, Joaquin Phoenix, who are still acting, who are still a part of our conversation yeah, uh, and still working, which is fantastic. Plus, you throw in Diane Weiss, you throw, I think, is it Steenburgen who plays his wife in this? So she's a part of this as well, like she was in Gilbert Grape. And then, of course, uh, Martin uh, going through what he's going through. And then you have Thomas Holtz, one of the few roles he did after Amadeus that you could remember him for. And then Jason Robards, the patriarch of the, of the family. There is so much that is explored in here drama wise. Yeah. There are comedic moments for sure. Like the, the uh, vibrator or whatever moment, but it's about really like what goes on in these, in these uh, family experiences. And sometimes you don't have the kid who's the, you know, big baseball player. He's actually terrible at it. He's nervous about it. How do you navigate that? And yeah, you know, you've got the kid who wants to kind of who looks like a serial who looks like it might become a serial killer. How do you navigate that? And you got a, a daughter who wants to date a dude who might be like uh, living hand to mouth for the rest of his life. How do you navigate that? So just some real family stuff. Then you got the guy who's always trying to take money from the dad and lies about it all and just kind of accept that this is the kind of son you have. So there's so much about it that I think that uh, explores some of the drama side of families, even though it has a little more of a comedic bent to it. There's some real um, good emotional moments and emotional scenes in the film. And Ron Howard did a great job directing this one. So that's my two cents. Yeah. I wish I hadn't seen it when I was a kid. That's it. <laughs> yes. We've established that. Yeah. And uh, you know, the, the hand, potential hand to mouth character, I think, you know, Matthew Perry may have an answer for what to do about <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Just, the weirdest thing, slagging off on somebody that's, it's like, why don't take a shot across the, uh, you know, Brendan Fraser's bow next. Yeah. 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 I like, mean, okay. like, what a dumb, what a dumb thing, right? What a dumb thing, man. Although I, you know, I, I put zero thought into it, but I thought Lon had a good take on that. And it's like, well, he's got to sell books. <laughs> Does he though? Does he? That's, well, you're living over residuals. You know? should be. Yeah. Please. Those motherfuckers made money. Although they made obscene amount of money. And that show is still going strong. It's not like, um, I don't know, I whatever agree. fate is. It's like Jim, according to Jim. They're not making according to Jim money on, this, on the syndicated side of things. They're making like the top dollar with Seinfeld. I, because people still watch this show. Still, I agree. Show. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. So it was so strange when I saw that quote. I was like, that can't be real. And then everybody's like, nah, they're not. That isn't a clickbait, uh, you know, no, title. Real. Yeah, that yeah. shit's real. And it's like, okay, well, I of all the people to choose, 
Yeah. Like, wait, take a shot at the, you know, Tom Hanks. The, okay. Just a someone that everybody agrees, super nice guy. We like his movies. So here it is. This is according to Yahoo, and this came out this year. The show's success, Friends, still pays dividends for the cast. In 2015, USA Today reported that Warner Brothers earns $1 billion a year from Friends. And of that amount, 2% or $20 million goes to each of the stars every single year. That's insane. Uh, and then with Seinfeld, Larry David and, si- and Jerry Seinfeld, because of the deals they cut, make $400 yeah, no. million per syndication cycle. Yeah. $400 million. Their money is beyond stupid. I know. It's so true. It is. <laughs> yeah, Romano earns can earn anywhere up to eighteen million if he stays on the on the um, syndication cycle. So yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I love Lucy was making twenty million in residuals into the eighties and nineties. Let that fucking sink in. Good God Almighty. <sighs> I maybe should have stuck at this acting thing just a little bit longer. Got on the stupid sitcom. Well, now none of those shows are getting. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's all so much more less. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, you make less up front, and you make less over the long term, just because there's so much more. And unless you're the the one that happens to be the zeitgeist, right? The zeitgeist comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the yeah, the zeitgeist darling that just lives on in perpetuity. But that's a rare, especially with hundreds of shows debuting every year now yeah i know you're right you're absolutely right yeah <sighs> anyway best not to think about it uh all right so then my number nine uh let me see here is legends of the fall oh interesting yeah. choice yeah i mean I, like i said i wanted to go a little more dramatic and cover multiple uh storylines and uh histories within a family and i think legends of the fall still holds up um i like brad pitt in the movie i like julia armand to a certain extent in the movie aiden quinn is great and hopkins and of course there's that native american bent to it and henry thomas and what happened and, and there are some really brutal emotional uh, moments going on in that movie Certainly Henry Thomas's death in World War One, and then seeing like Brad Pitt dial into his, I don't know, Native American stuff and what he does to honor his brother's life by cutting his heart out of his chest. Like it's crazy. So there's all of that. And then you've got the relationship between him and Aiden Quinn, his brothers vying for Julia Ormond's hand. And what that leads to, then Hopkins gets that stroke. So there's so much throughout this. Um, I think even Cole Meany is in it, if I remember correctly, but there's so much throughout this film that i think is is fascinating to watch and people rarely talk about it and i kind of really enjoy it as a a, fam, a familial saga um of how these characters lives change as they age and how it can sometimes be in a family full of full of dudes you know brothers kind of slamming into each other with strong personalities and different things that um attract their interests you know Aiden Kuhn was more of the straight arrow mm-hmm and whatever you and Brad Pitt's more of the rebel, but he's like the rebel that everyone wants to sleep with. And Thomas is more of the like run to the litter type thing. So there's so many different uh, things that are explored in the different personalities and how they approach things. So I like that. Um, yeah, there's that. And there's also a river runs through, which is a lot of the same dynamics. Yeah. I, uh, 
I don't find it as interesting, in my opinion. But yeah, because you got Craig Sheena Sh- River. Is it, is it Craig Sheffer? Is it Craig Sheffer? That is a Sheffer. Yeah, and yeah. it's uh, <laughs> Bobby Redford directed. Bobby. Uh, his friends call him Bobby. Oh, I apologize. I'm sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Pitt's in that too. That's right. Yeah, that's right. How fascinating. I've seen River several times, whereas uh, Legends of the Fall, I've seen uh, once and then bits and pieces of, but I've seen it once. Right, right, right. I, I, it's on my side, and I was like, well, I can't really talk about it because it's been 20 years since I've oh, seen wow. it. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. I mean, this came out what ninety four? I think so. 95? Yeah, ninety five. Because um, yeah, because uh, River Runs Through I think is ninety two. So just before, right? Yeah, River Runs Through is ninety two. So Legend- yeah, River's one of his early. It's like right after Legends is he same time as Interview. Ninety four. Legends of the Fall is ninety four. Wow, two years later. And then after that comes. Seven and Fight Club and et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. Only yeah, only a couple of years later. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think Seven is next, and then there's a couple of things, and then Fight Club. Yeah. Um, ah, see, and it's by Edward Zwick. I like him as a director. He did Glory. He did um, uh, Last Samurai. So I kind of like mm-hmm. him as a director. So it makes sense that I would like the movie. Yeah, 12 Monkeys. Wait, no, hold on. Legends. Yeah, then seven is the next year. You're right. Seven, 12 yeah. Monkeys is the next year for him. Um, And then it gets a little weird with some of the film choices. And then Fight Club shows up in 99. And that's pretty much it for Brad Pitt in terms of establishing himself. So he's just from there. It's a, He's a star going forward. Yeah, he's, just, yeah. he's not a box office draw, but he's a star. <laughs> I know it's weird, right? With yeah. Him. Yeah. And there's a ton of amazing movies in that run. They just don't, they're not box office fair. No, you're right. Yeah. World War Z is his number one box office movie ever. That's crazy. That film. I only saw it once. I don't know if I ever see it again. I think it's got some really interesting takes on zombies and some cool scenes. Okay. Uh, I also know they drastically recut it and shot a separate ending. I do know that as well. Yeah. But I never read the book, so. Mm. I, yeah, neither did I. I should have read it, though. Um, all right, so then my number eight is House of Gucci. Oh, go for it. Yeah, I thought I really enjoyed the shit out of this movie, and I do not understand the people who did not like it. Yes, I can understand you not liking what Jared Leto did. It is such an unusual decision. But I don't know what this guy actually sounds like in real life. And I would imagine, I can't imagine Jared would go way off the, oh, I don't want to use that term anymore. I'm not allowed to use that term. I can't imagine he'd go way beyond the pale to create this character that doesn't have some kind of actual um, real life connections. Like the sound of him, the accent, the mannerisms, all of that would be there. True. So, I think Pacino is fantastic in the film. I think Gaga is great. I thought she should have been nominated for. I liked her better in this than A Star Is Born, and um, and okay. the driver is fantastic as well. And the the direction from Ridley Scott here, the progression of this story is just fascinating. And maybe it's because I'm obsessed with rich, the rich, uh, the interesting rich, not the fucking trash rich. It's it's uh, it, it gets my attention, and I see the journey that they go on and all the different. Um, games they play with each other as a family and 
how fucked up a rich family actually is when you're dealing with a brand that is tied to your family, like your actual name, the last name that is tied to a brand that is tied to your family. So I think they did, I think Ridley did a fantastic job directing this film. And I do not understand why people hated it. So some people hated it so much. Um, yeah, I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. Okay. So I am happy that you enjoyed it so thoroughly. <laughs> I went into it hoping I would absolutely adore it. I think, uh, Sometimes that bites you in the ass. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I didn't have a specific, like, I hope this happens, like expectations for certain plot points or yeah, yeah. characters. I just went into it going, man, this, I remember when they put out the initial uh, promo shot of Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like in those white sweaters in the Alps somewhere or something yeah. like that. And I was like, I'm, I am intrigued. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you know, I thought it was all right. Yeah. Yeah, actually, Jeremiah. I I thoroughly loved Leto. Yeah, I thought he was great in the film. He's yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, he made a choice and he stuck to that choice the whole time. The whole time, the football scene is the best. Uh, you know, the whole football scene is hilarious with him. But then when he's having, he's like trying to show his drawings and stuff. That's my favorite. Oh. He's just like, ah, amazing, right? Not the only genius in this family. And it's just like, oh, it's very interesting. Guy is <laughs> trying to be nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So what's your seven, man? Uh, my seven is Animal Kingdom. Oh, all right. Well, I'm gonna use the restroom real quick. Why don't you go ahead and do that one then? Okay. Um, hmm. so Animal Kingdom, they made a TV show I have never seen based on the idea from this. And I don't know if this was a pre-existing property down in Australia. It's an Australian film. But the cast is pretty damn stellar. Uh, you got uh, Ben Mendelsohn, Joel Edgerton, uh, Guy Pierce, and then a couple other uh, actors that you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen her and God, 20 things. And then I've seen him and five things. And But the gist of the story is, so it's a local family of criminals, but they're they're good at what they do, right? Um, but they all live under one roof, which is the mother's roof. And she's kind of the, the queen pin of all this. And they have a younger family member kind of come to live with them. I can't remember the exact reasons why, uh, but he's orphaned, so to speak. And he needs a place to live and he comes there and it's getting sucked into that world where they're out doing armed robberies and they have a corrupt cop. That, that basically they liaise with to get leads on or get the tip on if they're being uh, about to be uh, busted or pursued by the cops. And Guy Pierce plays a non-corrupt cop who sees the kid as A, someone I could potentially save, and B, as a way to kind of force a wedge into this family. Mm. And then eventually, you would imagine this type of situation is a powder keg. So... Once that erupts, the collateral damage that befalls certain characters, it's uh, I don't know, it, it's got a great build and then I think a satisfying ending ultimately. Mm. But uh, yeah, I never saw the TV show, I don't know if the TV show was any good, I can't imagine it was. Is, is it based off the oh, I didn't know the TV show was based off the movie. Oh, interesting. Okay, I do not know, it has the oh, same okay. title from what I can tell, it is the exact same setup. Oh, okay, all right, which the 
Did you ever see the movie? No, but I saw the trailer, so I know what the movie yeah, was. Yeah, I mean, the, it's a, an actual crime family that yeah. lives together under one roof, but it's a matriarch and then her sons. Is it Rachel Griffiths who plays the matriarch in that? Is that? I can't remember her name. She's one of those shit. I've seen her in 20 things. Okay. <laughs> um, she's got, I mean, just these eyes that are unmistakable. Yeah. Was it? Uh, it must have been. It's the... Pierce, Mendelssohn, Edgerton, and then the young kid I don't know that I've There's ever Pierce. seen uh, again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, no, it's Jackie Weaver who plays the mom. Jackie Weaver, there you go. Right, she was in uh, Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah, she's been in a ton of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so is it, an Aust- I guess it's an Australian film, huh? David Michonne. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at least that's the setting. That's who all the actors are, so I'm yeah, assuming. yeah. I don't know if it's on a pre-existing Australian product or not. He wrote The King, the huh? Chalamet one. There you go, the Edgerton connection right there. Yeah, absolutely. Fuck, that film is so good, man. Wish it come out in 4K. Um, all right, so... That's my seven. Okay, what's your six? Uh, my six is The Descendants. Ooh, George Clooney. How funny. That's a punt. That okay. is a punt. Wow. We have- we have two then. We two. don't have we haven't gotten to the other, but I think we have at least one more. That's right. Uh all right, so then my number seven is Belfast. Okay. I, yeah. I assume this might make your list. This is such a good movie. You know, I just saw it obviously last year and uh Kenneth Brana just uh, I've heard like four or five podcasts with him talking about the creation of the movie. And certainly the Mark Marin podcast was really great with him and hearing about the background of the movie and how it's based on his life and how, you know, people think because he does Shakespeare, he's this like highfalutin guy from the rich class, but you find out that he actually was from the uh, lower economic class there in Ireland and what he had to deal with uh, there in Belfast. And might I interrupt momentarily? Huh? I said, might I interrupt momentarily? Yeah, yeah, please. Is it us that thinks he's highfalutin or is that what he projected to the world <laughs> for three decades until we find out about his hard scrabble past that he desperately tried to distance himself from? Uh, maybe. I, 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 you're right. I mean, you start out with Henry five, then you date Emma Thompson and you're, you know, always coming to these premieres and suits and stuff. It's a fair point, man. It's a fair point. Um, anyway, he didn't have that harder accent to him. So, yeah, you might be right. He crafted a certain image. I, I would think it was, yeah, hmm. of choice distinctly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then now he is embracing his blue-collar roots. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so um, it's a really interesting story about the kid, the, him as a young kid and his experiences with the Troubles there in Northern Ireland and uh, just on one street here. Uh, most of the movie and then when he goes to school what he has to deal with there getting caught up in the riots that happened as a young kid and uh, you know getting involved in some of the crimes there that he unknowingly gets involved in because he's asked to go along with some friends and then it becomes what it becomes and just him uh, his upbringing and of course on the other side is his family stuff with his father constantly working in england being away from his mom um, and he does love his wife you know jamie dornham and Jordan, Dorn, Jamie Dornan and Katrin Balfay, they have a very strong connection as a husband and wife in the film, but there's stress and frustrations and money problems and all of that. And then, of course, on the other side is the is the, or is the grandfather and the grandmother with Karen Hines and um, Judy Dench and what he's going through 
as he's getting older and they're all dealing with that. So just fascinating stuff uh, that I really thought was, was so well done in black and white. Um, and the kid was just great, just great. Um, so you would think of a film like this could be hubris, but the way he portrays it all, you never think you're actually watching Brana. And I think that's a, a real selling point for the movie and a smart decision by him, you know, because when you watch a Woody Allen movie, that's Woody Allen playing himself. And um, you imagine if he did a, a version of this for himself, it would just be so obvious that it's Woody Allen. Whereas here, you kind of can forget that it's that it's Brana. So I liked it. That's my two cents. I, <laughs> did you I see had, it? No, I did not see it. Oh, so I okay. can't. All right. I can't chime in. Uh, all right. Then my number six is uh, Little Women. The um... Okay, sure. Yeah, the uh, what's um, oh, fuck man, I'm so retired. What's her name? The woman who directed it. Oh, uh, yeah, Greta Gerwig. Greta Gerwig, that's it. Yeah, Greta Gerwig directed this one, and this is the version I like. I do not like that '90s version. I don't like the other P- BBC version. This version that she directed was really well done, updated, gave some more dimension to these characters than we've maybe seen before. I mean, uh, Shirley Ronan was was so good, and uh, Florence Pugh was stellar in her role. Chalamet, mm-hmm. you know, normally I'd be like, "Oh, do I really want all these pretty white people in a period piece? Do I really care?" But no, it worked. Uh, she modernized it where she needed to modernize it, and then she left it alone where she needed to leave it alone. And I thought it was a fantastic sophomore effort by her as a director, um, and uh, it got me into the movie. Uh, and having Bob Odenkirk show up out of nowhere as the estranged husband, Laura Dern there as well. Just all of it works. And I think the girl who's in like Cherry and shit now and the horror thing, I think she plays one of the sisters as well. I don't want to misspeak, but I think she's one of the sisters as well. But either way, I just was really surprised at how much this film worked for me and, and the saga that's being told with all of them. Oh, and of course, Emma Watson. Of course, Emma Watson, duh. So uh, all the sisters, the March sisters and what have you. So, and then Meryl Streep, even to give it a little more weight showing up there as the aunt. So did you see this one or no? Did you skip this one too? Uh, I skipped this one too. <laughs> okay. Good. Well, I mean, so that was my project projected feeling of, well, I don't know if that one's going to be my cup of tea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like Belfast I knew, but it also came out in a string of other, uh, award movies. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's going to be the one that doesn't make the cut. Whereas Little Women, I'd already made the choice of like, eh, unless I hear a ton of people say it's great, I'll go yeah. see it. And then by the time I heard enough opinions echoing what you just said, yeah, yeah, yeah. now I need to gone. remember it to stream it. Oh, just, yeah, right. Yeah, I just yeah. never do at this point. Uh, I'm not, yeah, I'm not against it, but when it was coming out, it was my own Hubris. misplaced oh misplaced uh ideas as to what the movie who its target audience would be no fair but did you okay. say hubris <laughs> how does my hubris come into play here well you're feeling okay uh, this is not for me a little bit of we all well, have, i mean I sometimes all things have. aren't made for all demographics yeah i know so i'm saying i think we all have that little bit of hubris um when it comes to films we have that little thing that things that we like and things that we don't and things that we think that are like oh this is kind of childish or not for me i think we all have that you don't think we do 
No, no, I do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, we should take a break, right, Matt? Uh, yeah, we'll take a quick break here. This word from our sponsor. Be right back after this. All right, there we are. Let's jump into our top fives. Let's do it. What do we got? At five, I've got, here's the one that I was like, you know, the the zany, but not zany. <laughs> okay. Uh, which is inside out. Oh, yeah. The the one with the, okay. All yeah, right. yeah. Good choice. Just because ultimately it's about her inner conflict, about the new situation she's in and the, yeah. the loss of a life that she had assumed wouldn't change. The static right. nature of youth when you think. Right. Well, this is what my life is, and there's going to be no deviations, and this is, you know, I'm going to go to school with my friends, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the zaniness is in service of this girl who's kind of lost and set adrift and ultimately decides to potentially run away from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the motivations that get us to that that part of the story and then ultimately the resolution. Mm-hmm. So when you have you know, imaginary characters and whatnot. They exist in her mind as opposed to Uncle Eddie emptying the RV's, you know, <laughs> septic tank into the sewer type of zaniness. Uh, <laughs> this one is, yeah, it's all in her mind. So it can get as crazy as you want. It's still grounded in reality because it's in your mind. Shitter's full, Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah shitter's full. Uh, but I mean, it's such a, it it has a great balance between getting good laughs for kids and for adults. Okay. Uh, mixed in with, you know, the bright, vivid colors and like having the emotional characters be so one note because that's what they are. I am anger. This is what anger does. I right, am, right. you know, et cetera. Um, but that contrasted against the parents understanding of like how sometimes a memory can feel good because it's sad. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's a lesson to kids. It's okay to have, to have fondness for sad memories because it takes you back to that time yeah. and you reminisce about it, whether internally or with someone else. Right. But it's part of what makes you who you are. Yeah. And it's part of the journey of life. And uh, it's a, it's a great tutorial for kids, a great education of mm-hmm. it's fine to have complex and nuanced feelings. We all do. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the Shakespearean bittersweet is a very real thing. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. Uh, but yeah, it's, it, I don't know. It just, it's when Pixar works at that level, it's, it's difficult to find other movies that operate that well and that deftly. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna be curious to see what we get from a sequel because apparently the sequel's in the works. Yeah, I saw that. Um, yeah, so but yeah, I agree with you. It's a great, great film. Um uh such great work from everybody, voiceover wise, you know, all the actors and stuff, but just the world that's being built out and the universality of it all, right? We all have mm-hmm. that experience of going of dealing with our feelings at uh, as a teenager and the the madness of how they can take over and then these uh, memories of our past or these sections of our world that used to be so important a few years ago are now just so not as important as we move into other areas of our lives. And so all of it works so well. 
And, you know, there are some really serious moments in the film when she takes the money and tries to run away. Like, that's a real thing. That was like, wow, in a Pixar movie. That's incredible. And then, of course, the bing bong stuff, just so heartbreaking. So there are just some really devastating moments in the movie that make it feel more than just a kid's movie. And I think that's always been the hallmark of Pixar, but it really works here, you know, and putting it in a family structure like this that feels relatable. Uh, as opposed to like, oh, just cartoon characters, they actually feel relatable in ways that maybe some of the other Pixar films have not in the past. So, um, okay, so that's uh, so that's your five. My five is Big Fish. Uh, go for it. Yeah, love this movie, man. Still love this movie. Um, one of those rare Tim Burton drama ones that really, really worked for me, and um, uh, the connection between you and McGregor as. The younger version of Albert Finney, seeing those connective tissues there as the as this family grows and changes and how he essentially creates multiple families in different ways throughout his life. And how Billy Crudup as his son has to kind of reconcile all those stories and all those families um, as he's trying to, in essence, make his father fit his own ideas of what a normal person should be. Um, meanwhile, his father is very much his own person and that Mm -hmm. frustrates him on so many levels. And the fact that his mother accepts and loves how much of his own person, her, her husband is, his father is, um, drives him even more crazy. And the problem is that he, instead of accepting, he's trying to force something to change so that he can be comfortable with his own life. Kind of like Rocky and his son in that moment in Rocky Balboa. You know, you, you walk around just blaming me all the time. Take responsibility for your own fucking life, man. This is the game. Get in there. Fight. Stop crying. And that's what, in essence, a little bit of the movie is kind of saying as a subtle undertone is that life can be this incredible, beautiful thing if you stop trying to make it fit what you want it to be and actually take a look around and enjoy it. And I think that's where we see that. And of course it's affecting his marriage with Maria and Cotillard who's having a baby. So there's so much of the family stuff. And so by the end, when he takes his father, who's takes him out of the hospital cause he's dying. Ah, it's so fucking heartbreaking, man. It's so fucking heartbreaking. Um, and I cry every time. And then they, and then Pearl jam made a great song to go with that soundtrack, man of the hour. So just so much of it has such powerful family, feelings all through it that i think was makes it such a unique film in the tim burton filmography so to speak yeah he takes his how did you say this he takes his normal macabre and makes it playful oh yes good that's a good statement yes agreed because you still have that burton-esque feeling as these tall tales are being told yeah but it doesn't it's not under the veil of uh, the darker tone or the, mm-hmm. you know, the emotional, the emo gothy type of that you associate distinctly with still yeah. has a lot of the vibe, but it's just a different world. Yeah. And I think, I think we should compare more movies to scenes from Rocky. I think that's <laughs> in the series. Hey, cinema is cinema, man. Cinema is cinema. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, Danny DeVito's in this thing too. That's right. Yeah, he played like the ringleader. Yeah, the 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 ringmaster. Yeah, and Buscemi's in this, right? Jesus, yeah, it's been a bit since I've seen this. Um, but yeah, so I love that movie for that. Um, all right, what's your four? Uh, my four is uh, the impossible. 
which we've it's come up a, a oh, yeah. couple times lately. It's one of your favorite movies. <laughs> Add that to the, the quote. <laughs> Add it to the quote. That one's legit, though. So maybe we can't add that to the quote. The others are all uh, putting words in my mouth and hearsay. Uh, Go ahead. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird to think of like the impossible being potentially one of my favorite movies. I just think it's so impactful for what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it really is. Yeah. Um, but we have talked about it a decent amount recently. But I it just once we came up with the construct for this one, we were like, well, this is about a family overcoming a horrific natural disaster to try and find one another again in the midst of an impossible situation. Yeah. Um, so it was, I was, I'd be remiss. I, I cut others, but I was, I couldn't cut this one for me yeah. personally. Okay. Man, it's a good film from what I understand. I haven't seen it, but from what I understand, it's pretty, it's pretty good. Um, all right. So then my number four is uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Uh, go for it. Yeah, I mean, I had to put this on those. This is the one that's kind of... Yeah, I thought I thought that one was a little too borderline zany for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but there's like, you know, the, the relationship between his, between his wife and him are real. They have these conversations. He clearly was one of these asshole guys that had a hard time showing any kind of love to his kids. Um, and so we see why he's in the situation that he's in and why he's having these troubles with his children that he has and why his children are having these troubles, right? Paltrow um, uh, dealing with what she's dealing with there with Murray and then uh, Ben Stiller freaking out about the death of his wife and constantly being overprotective of his kids and um, Luke Wilson having those breakdowns. So you're seeing so much of this family that although has a little bit, as you said, of the zany, unusual type of things, there's a lot going on with this family that is um, really poignant to explore, mm-hmm. especially, you know, as we talk more openly about mental health, there's a lot of mental health issues going through that whole family because of the broken nature of the, of the father and the mother and how that affects them in their lives and their weird relationships, for lack of a better term, sure. that we see in the movie between them. And also uh, Owen Wilson, who is a complete and utter unstable person throughout the whole thing because he can't figure out how to just accept the fact that someone who he loves is not going to be with him ever, you know? So there's so much about it that I think works so well. Uh, and then you throw in Danny Glover, who's a nice, nice touch to the film because everyone's so crazy. He's just, you know, pretty still, still water in the, in the madness of it all. So, yeah, I think yeah you, gotta, you need that. Yeah. Uh, to balance. Yeah. 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 Because otherwise, it's just like everybody's pinging off of each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's some good shots, some great cinematography, um, and uh, it's one of the—I think it's one of his best films he's ever made. Wes Anderson. I, I think it still always battles for number one in my mind for all the films he's made. Yeah, it's when I think he really um, let himself define his style. Mm. Yeah, right. This is the first. Andersonian world where yeah, yeah, yeah. very much feels like it's everything that comes after. Chris yeah. Cause I mean, yeah, it's a good point because Rushmore is so just that it's tall. grounded in reality, more right. reality than his, the, the, the next worlds we're going to get into. Yeah. 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 Tenenbaums is a way of putting his style into the real world. Whereas, yeah. His stamp on his aesthetic. Exactly. Exactly. Whereas Rushmore is very consolidated by being in just a, a school, so to speak. So, um, all right. So what's your three? Uh, my number three is, uh, this might be the smallest family. Ooh. 
but uh warrior oh good choice go ahead man nice choice i like that film a lot uh you have brother edgerton brother hardy edgerton's family and then nick nolte as their alcoholic father yeah who tore their own family apart and is left emotional scars on both of them to this day i would yeah. say more so on uh tom hardy although him coupled with what happened in the war probably really did a one-two on oh, yeah. tom hardy uh, psyche but yeah the build-up to the the anticipation and the stakes all grounded in the reality of it's a family dynamic and it's two brothers struggling with life for different reasons mm-hmm. and have different motivations as to why they're in this situation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Edgerton, it's, it's a, it's a way to like stability and yeah. not having to worry about certain financial implications for his family. Yeah. And Tom Hardy's, I think it's, it's to be caught personally. You think he wants to be caught? Yes. He wants to be stopped. I think he wants to, ultimately come to terms with what happened yeah and have a full mea culpa with the world because he's been built up to be something he feels he is not he thinks is a lie it's a lie yeah a fraud yeah. yeah um and then you throw nolte into this mix and it's it's i don't know i didn't have thankfully i i don't have that dynamic with my dad oh, yeah but uh, I am a drunk, so certain aspects of what Nolte had gone through—that's mm. how I felt my life would have ended up had I continued drinking—is one of the motivations that got me to stop. Wow! That the health. So, well, just like name yeah, yeah, yeah. me one happy alcoholic. <laughs> okay, I don't. Know well, I'm just saying, if, if you've been drinking for 30, 40 years, yeah, they're all bitter, depressed because they drank their life away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. And just to see that crystallized on screen, it, it had an emotional punch in the theater. I've mm. been a fan of that movie uh, ever since. And I just, the dynamics and the acting amongst everybody in the film is excellent. And mm-hmm. if you've never seen it, yes, it's a sports movie, but it's not a sports movie at all. Yeah. It's yeah. a drama. Uh, and it's about the the characters, their interactions and the family dynamic entirely. Yeah. 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 I mean, the sports is a catalyst for them to, to, basically discuss those emotions yeah to work well intentionally or unintentionally work through them yeah yeah um yeah you're right i mean nolte's so good in that movie and um you know when he breaks and has that moment it's just like oh dude like uh you're just so even though you imagine he was probably a pretty terrible yeah terrible dad there's still a sense of like uh sympathy that you have when things are going on with him and of course things when things are going on with Tom Hardy and and Joel Anderson too. You know this idea of the school and mm-hmm. his wife and the concerns and the worry. You know you have all of that going on throughout. So you're seeing these three men in the path that they're walking as father and son and son, but also as brother and brother, and then uh, individually as men, men what they are confronting and navigating and trying to come to terms with, and how they can possibly find their way to come together. And the the love that's still there, even with all the shit, um, finding a way to come ha- somehow uh, give them a path to redemption, 
you know, and um, I think that's fantastic in the movie. You know, Gavin O'Connor, just such a good director, man, uh, for these kinds of films. Um, and yeah, I'm, I thank God we can still make these kinds of films. It, you know, I I, I don't want to lose that aspect of masculinity in films. And I think it's important to have that kind of stuff in films uh, because I get it. It was very patriarchal. It was very much man oriented for decades and decades. So fuck yeah, let's clear space. Let's we make films about women directed by women. Let's explore their lives. Let's us as men learn what it's been like to see the world through women's eyes. Absolutely. But let's not lose some of these other films uh, or the making of some of these other films that also explore how men are changing in connection to this and how men deal with the shit that they deal with in the actual world, in the real world of the pressures and the um, expectations that go on with that, you know? So just, I like, I like that you have films like this that are still out there for people Mm -hmm. to kind of enjoy. Yeah. Um, All right. Where are we at? Your three, Uh, the descendants. So the pun from earlier. Oh, three. Good for you. Yeah, I love this movie, man. I really do. It's my favorite. You know, and I just saw the Ticket to Paradise one with Clooney and Roberts. Man, he is so fucking good in that movie. She's good, too, which really, I'm not the biggest Roberts fan. I enjoy the hell out of her in the movie, but he is excellent. And we haven't seen him do stuff in a long time. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm like, fucking hell, man. Come back and do this again. You're so good at it. You're so effortlessly charming while also showing your vulnerability in such believable ways and connectable ways. And in the descendants, you really see that. That's why I got nominated for the best actor Oscar. And the script is fantastic, but just the journey he's going on as a dad and the goofy moments that he has uh, combined with the cool moments, combined with the honest emotional moments, combined with the most reconnecting with his daughters and navigating his wife's cheating and seeing the flashbacks of that and how it affects him. Yeah, it just works so well. Plus, he's got this pressure from his family about selling this property and this land and all. So there's so much that he is navigating in the movie and so much that is on his shoulders. Um, I think it's a, just an incredible performance from Clooney. And um, yeah, I just think there's so much here to enjoy. Shane Lee Woodley, um, Bo Bridges, you know, every, the younger daughter actress. I don't know what her name is, but she's good in the film and everything that he's going through, even uh, what's, what's, it, what's the guy's name? The volleyball player who shows up. Oh no, the oh, he's surfer. A surfer. Yeah, the uh, surfer. Is that Laird uh, Hamilton? Or Laird, uh, Laird Hamilton. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Laird Hamilton. And he shows up and has the back and forth with Clooney. So, but there's so much, there's all these pressures and he wants to find the way to do the right thing. And uh, I think that's what makes you connect with him. But I mean, there's, there's just some strong emotional scenes. And when he's running, like a goofball oh. down the street in his sandals. And then when his he's confronting his wife's best friend about the fact that she hid the affair for so long, what that means, all of that just. Ah, just yeah. That everybody, wild. not everybody, but numerous people around him knew. Yeah. Knew and didn't tell him and let him yeah. play the cuckold the whole time. Yeah. I mean, part of that run in the sandals, it's basically like the manifestation of, the mania in his mind. Yeah, like, this yes. can't be real. Yeah. And his, as wide eyed and as zany as he looked, you assume that's how his mind is just racing. Of yeah, yeah. Yeah. How long has this gone? Like just a million questions. Mm-hmm. Is this new? Has she been doing this for years? Who was it? Right. Did she, did she like him better than me? Did she love him? Did yeah. she, I can't even fathom how many of those questions 
you know, with just a mile a minute, as fast as your synapses could fire. Yeah. Yeah. And then the backdrop of that is the family, the pressure that half the family wants him to sell this you know, yeah. property to a, a hotel developer right. to get the so massive. So they can windfall. make all the money off of him. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, these people have never worked a day in their lives and they've been living off the income generated from the family's holdings. Yeah. So part of him is like, well, why we can maintain this. Your lives are going to be roughly the same. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you need this money for? How much more richer do you need to be? Yeah. 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 Bo Bridges is a great casting is the <laughs> one, so good. the face of the guy that wants to sell this smooth, slimy, <laughs> you know, cousin of his great casting. What are you talking about? <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. Just picturing him like constantly with like a drink in his hand and he's always got a buzz on. Yeah. Uh, Judging everybody else. Yeah. 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 They're all losers type of thing. Yeah. Just like, yeah, well, what exactly have you done? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, That's a good movie, dude. It's been a while since I've seen it. Isn't it Who No, no, that's up in the air. Who who directed? Who is is this one? I don't remember. Remember, it's Faxon Rush. And I believe the third guy wrote it. Right. Alexander Payne, who did election. Alexander right. yeah. And Nebraska, which was fucking good, too. Yeah, I could have qualified Nebraska for sure. About Schmidt. Ooh, downsizing was terrible. Woof. Yeah, you can't win them all. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, it's one of his yeah, rare ones. Um, okay, so what's your two? Uh, my deuce is uh, Prisoners. Ooh, damn. Okay, good choice. Go ahead. Well, it just what it's a, the simultaneously the worst and best a parent could be. Yeah. Because Jackman is doing everything he can to get his daughter back. Yeah. And wants to protect his family. Mhm. And what that drives him to is the mouth of madness. And it is a dark, disturbing film. Yeah. And as I was watching it, I am questioning what choices I would make. Mm. In, those, um, in that situation. Yeah, because they jump yeah. to a conclusion. Yeah. Not knowing whether or not that conclusion is verifiable or correct. Yeah. Yeah. And... That initial conclusion has tremendous ramifications mm-hmm. if you're right or wrong. Right. Like, even if you come out on this on the right side of things, there are still going to be, there's, there's, you know, a price to pay for making this choice. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the ending is just another, it's a gut punch on top of a gut punch on top of a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And it leaves you questioning what exactly how you feel it actually ended. Yeah. Which I, I appreciated about it because the movie exists in the grayest of gray of morality. Um, and then to end it in an even grayer area, I thought was a great choice. Yeah. Cause I mean, you've got the two families being affected by it mm-hmm. and how they circle around it. And then the other family that it had, that has, that has been accused of this. And how they navigate this. So you've got all these different moving pieces throughout. 
Um, and you even and, and so that scene where Jackman willingly puts himself in yeah. the situation or gets yeah. himself. In I, that- I don't want to say it either. It's kind yeah, of yeah, hard yeah. to gets himself in that situation it's just like oh my god like but this is the 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 descent you know of the madness of it all you said yeah yeah but you're like yeah you make that choice (laughs) if the guaranteed outcome is what you what you want right right you make that choice yeah but it's brutal and then it just that ending of like is there hope yeah right I, i don't know I I choose to believe yes, but that's also me then siding with the morality of the choices that were made. Oh, good point. Yeah, right. You make that decision for yourself. Yeah, that's why I like the ending. It's like, or do you believe that the morality of the choices were wrong? And then the other outcome is what transpires. I I choose the hopeful because... Ultimately, I think his choices were the correct ones, as heinous as they are. It's yeah, it's a tough movie because oh, yeah. it asks a lot of you. Uh, yeah, once he's done doing these massive epics, I'd love him to swing back down again and do one of these films because I mean, this is where I think Villeneuve works the best. I, I like Dune, and I certainly love Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But I mean, Sicario and Prisoners and these kind of smaller stuff that he does is just so good. Yeah, um, and he doesn't get because you're so you're so caught up in the scope of the bigger stuff that it's tougher to get to the nitty gritty of a relationship or a connection or the you know the the um, I'm gonna say this the more gray areas of the relationships uh, that you see um, in his movies that are the smaller approach you know why well, I, I hate to burst your bubble <laughs> oh shit yes um but it looks as though you know a lot of news has come down mm. oh oh listen to you being on top over of well i'm oh, just saying please over the past 24 48 hours oh okay go ahead yes but now that gun is taking over dc <sighs> cut it out yeah well, what I read last night is Villeneuve is thinking about taking the Wonder Twin, Twins property. I'm just fucking around. That okay. was the worst. Jesus Christ. It's the worst comic book thing I could come up with off the top of my head. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'll be curious to see where he goes next because the big budget is where he's existed now for a couple films. I know. For a, long, for a few years now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And maybe it could be addictive once you have all this money and you can kind of bring any idea you want to life mm-hmm. as opposed to being hamstrung by budgets, potentially yeah. on prisoner or Sicario or something. There were, I'm sure, limitations. Yeah. Oh, of course there were limitations. There had to be. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Whereas Dune is just like, all right, well, we're not going to give you a fully blank check, but you got a pretty big budget on this. It's got invisible ink on it so you can put whatever you want. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right, so that was your two? Uh, yeah, Prisoners of my two. My two is uh, Parasite. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, two families. We see the rich family, and then we see the family that comes in, and the poor family that comes in and tricks them and what it leads to. And I think this is, you know, like I said, along with 1917, these are the two instant classics. I felt as soon as I walk out of the theater that they're both the same year, 
And I was like, yeah, both of these films are going to be studied for years to come, both of them for different reasons. Uh, and this one, certainly you, you explore the class stuff, the economic uh, status stuff. You explore the relationship stuff. You explore how um, uh, the ruling class can be so ignorant of the, of the um, ruled class and then the ruled class, how okay. they can fool themselves into thinking that there is um, reasoning for the things that they are doing and they're legitimate, even though it, in, even though it leads to something more terrible. So I, I love the challenge of this movie so much, plus the acting and the writing and the different twists and turns of the story. Uh, and then the weird horror angle uh, throws in another family. So three families like, you know, vibrating or sorry, circling around each other and intersecting in the most interesting and unusual and unsettling ways. And so I love this film for that. Plus the direction, of course, by Bong Joon-ho. Does, he's such a great job. Yeah. There's even a third family in that mix as well. Yeah. I said, that. The, Oh, did you? I'm sorry. I yeah. missed that. Is there a fourth one that you were thinking of? Nope. Okay. There was not. <laughs> yeah. Though, uh, owe me down in the basement. The yeah, yeah, yeah. poor That's, people and then the richer people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd be curious what he comes out with next. Right? Yeah. Where does he go? Because I didn't like Okja, but I love Parasite. Yeah, Okja's, I think it's good. It's not great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The pig thing is weird. Yeah. But I think the message and the acting of the story is really good. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, where where he goes next... I'll be very intrigued by. I hope it doesn't end up being a John Woo situation where he can't just find his footing. God, I hope not. Yeah. Um, although Woo had like, you know, offers to do very specific movies. Hey, look, they're talking about making another face off. Yeah. Yeah. True. True. So true, true. I'm not saying it was unsuccessful, although I don't understand why people love face off, but that's me. Oh my God. Yeah. There's a sequel coming too. from apparently. Yeah. I don't, I don't get it. I love action films. That movie is abysmal to me. I agree with you. Yeah. But um, all right. we're in the minority as far as action fans are concerned. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was fun for what it was. And then I grew up. So I don't have the nostalgia for that film that other people do that I do not understand. Um, all right. What's your number one, man? Uh, my one, I assumed, was the same one for both of us. Oh, maybe. Which is The Godfather. The Godfather. Oh, yes. Nice. All right. More so than two and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one is like we are centered on this family and the dynamics of what the father wants for everybody as he's, yep. uh, you know, uh, maintaining his empire mm-hmm. that Michael will one day uh, take over. Yeah. But then the dynamics with the brothers and then the spouses and the sisters, too. Yeah. Yeah. The sisters and yeah. all involved. Uh, when I was thinking spouses, I was thinking of the sister's husband who's mm. a shit heel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Carlo. Yeah. Which, according to the Offer TV show, that guy was in real life, and Jimmy Khan tuned him up. So, <laughs> I hope that's real. That's pretty great. Did you like that series? Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Okay, I gotta. Wa- I still have not watched it. I can't believe I haven't watched. It. I can watch Matthew Good do Bob Evans for five hours straight. It's amazing. Beautiful baby. Yeah. Oh no, he's. I, he's got the the charm and the charisma, and just like yeah, I can see why Bob Evans was given, yeah, 
you know, this, this job and everything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, I went into it. I didn't watch it for like the first month or six weeks. Mm-hmm. It was out. Cause I was like, mm-hmm. how is this going to be any good? And then you watch it and you're like, that was really good. Yeah. yeah. If you're a fan of the series, which you are, <laughs> you're going to love the shit out of it. I did. I need to watch even this. Catherine enjoyed it thoroughly. Wow. Yeah. And she, I don't know that she's ever seen the Godfather. Wow. Even more incredible. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. She, she might have, but I, I would highly doubt that she's seen the Godfather. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. This one more than the other ones, because this one is very much about the family and mm-hmm. a connected family. Right. And two, it's disjointed. And yes, we see the, we see Vito, but we never see him meeting his wife and courting his wife. His wife just shows up. Then they just have kids. There's not really much. You sense that he loves her, but it's not really much. Yeah. In this film, there's more of the interactions with the sons. And as you said, and the sons with each other and the changes that are happening in this dynamic of the family as things are going on, as time is passing, as certain people are getting older, as other people are coming into their own, that is so good to explore. And you have tragedy and you have heartache. And then you have um, you know, a man at the center of it who rises from second son to run the family um or no to youngest son right because because he's because is he younger than younger than um connie or is he the second son no he's the second son yeah i think he's the second son ah i don't remember now i feel terrible question what's the order of the corleone children well i thought Vito was the second Oh right, because you've got you've got Fredo, so it's or Fredo. I'm sorry, not Vito. So Fredo is the third son. Yeah, but he's the youngest of all of them. Corleone, Connie is the youngest child. She oh, is, is she she's right here? So she's the youngest child. So they had like three kids, three boys, and then a, and a, a daughter. Okay. Yeah, and then of course Hagen is adopted. Yeah, Sonny is the firstborn. Fredo is the second child. Yeah, that makes sense, Michael. So, yeah, because so Fredo's like third, you know I got passed over. Right, right. How do you think that makes me feel? That's a good point. So from third all the way to the top. So, yeah, fantastic. Thanks, Reagan Lovig. Appreciate you hanging out with us live. Uh, Take care. He's saying goodbye here in the the chat. Um, But, yeah, there you go. That's our – I think that's our separate lists. Let's put this thing together, man. Um, All right, let's do it. Just rosining up the bow over here. Is there going to be some flipping? Well, I, look, I think we just do Godfather 1, Descendants 2, because that's the only things we have in common. Makes sense. And then we just uh, go down from there. Okay. I have Parasite at number two. Yeah, and I've got Prisoners. So, well, yeah, flipping away. Oh. All right. Got the coin. Flipping now. All right, Parasite takes it. That is our number three. Stellar television. This is stellar television. All right. And uh, what was Descendants, your three? Yeah. All right, so Warrior is my three, so we'll go Warrior next. Okay. And uh, what, our fours? Do we just want to switch off my four, then your four, and then we'll go? All right, what was your four? Uh, Royal Tenenbaums. All right, then what was your five? Big Fish. 
next, then inside out, my five. So we have one left. Ooh. What is uh, your six? My six is already on there as the descendants. Ooh, so I so my six takes it. Little women. Little women, it is. All right, let's do this thing. The top ten ensemble movies with a drama bent. Yeah. At number ten. The Godfather. Oh, I'm sorry. Little Women. <laughs> That's a first. At number nine. Inside Out. At number eight. Big Fish. At number seven. The Royal Tenenbaums. At number six. The Impossible. At number five. Warrior. At number four. Prisoners. At number three. Parasite. At number two. The Descendants. And our number one ensemble family movie with a dramatic bent is... Is The Godfather. Nice. All right. There we go. Uh, no shout outs this week. Hope you enjoyed our shout outs last week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, what do we have to tell them, Matt? You can follow us on Twitter. Twitter. All of a sudden, my brain is not oh doing well. <laughs> at top 10 show all spelled out and on instagram and youtube it's forward slash the top 10 podcast with the number 10 hit us up over there and you can follow me anywhere at matt knows if you want to listen to another movie uh podcast that i do it's called settle the score and it is a movie music uh trivia show so please come on over there you can find anywhere you get podcasts you can go to youtube.com forward slash matt knows to watch it over there there you go uh that's for me you can follow me at the roca says on twitter instagram and tiktok the outlaw nation on twitch <clears throat> and uh my youtube channel youtube.com slash john roca says and my other podcasts uh the cinephiles the geek buddies and the hot mic all out there for you all to enjoy thanks so much for uh listening to us or watching us and we'll talk to you next time with another brand new episode here of the top 10 show peace Ooh.